This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And I'm BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. We are rolling. We are, it's like, y'all don't understand. We we in this pregame when we get to the, like like the, the show notes when we trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. It's just like a a a like a locker room, like like before the big game. We in here just juiced. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. hope y'all, yeah. hey, y'all <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've got to catch this, man. Like this is not just for us, this is for the people. So if we get this excited, we hoping you get that excited too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we talking about today, JP? Man, we are talking about consumer life versus producer life. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we're not talking about beats. We're not talking about, you know what I'm saying, it, cooking in the studio. We're actually talking about how people are misguided, misled, and don't know how to create uh, for themselves in such a way where they can move. I guess maybe some people want to stay there, but we think you should move or transition from being just a consumer into being a producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so this is a very interesting topic, I, I think, over the last year or two. I've just had to admit that I have lived most of my life as a consumer. Mm. I think part of the reason why you live so long as a consumer is you think consumer means a leech, right? You think Mm. Al Bundy, if you're old enough to remember Al Bundy, Bundy's sitting on the couch every day, all day, (laughs) doing just enough to get by, okay? This is old school. So if you're over the age of 25, you'll know about this reference. But but Bundy is just- Yeah, that's all he's doing. Like he's literally doing just enough to get by. And his mm-hmm. son, Bud, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Bud is a a young man who is living off the graciousness of his parents, does uh-huh. not have employment, and is always looking for a handout. So right. in my mind, <laughs> right? <laughs> if I you hear the preaching, in my mind, if I was mm-hmm. a consumer, I would be uh-huh. Bud. I'd be asking for handouts from my parents. And therefore, since I was working a job, then I would label myself a producer and not a consumer. What do you think, Mm -hmm. JP? What are some ways that you've seen yourself even potentially not even label yourself a consumer? And and then you look back and you go, oh, wow, I think I was a consumer. That's the worst type of consumer, man. The type of consumer that doesn't know they're just a consumer. Mm. Um, and And I think that was me... For a very long time, because my background with, you know, my parents divorcing at 12, dad kind of being gone, kind of being raised by the OGs in the streets or whatever, and just being fed game. You know, you just get the game, get the game, get the game, get the game. Yeah, yeah. game. For diverse For, audiences, game is yes. just insight into the world. Go ahead, David. Go ahead. We got a diverse <laughs> audience. Go ahead. I appreciate that. I, thank you so much. 
<laughs> we want to make sure everybody's on the same page. <laughs> Yo, so a super side note. I remember one time I was giving this real serious talk uh, at a school. And I said, yeah, man, sometimes cats be out here tripping. And people were like, <laughs> they, they they just look real confused. Y'all got cats <laughs> tripping right here. What are, you doing? what are you doing to these felines? What are you doing to them? <laughs> Bro, I just I just lost my cool for oh a second, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I see why everybody's confused." It's like, "Yo, I'm not talking about real cats." And everybody's oh like, "Oh, oh, god!" So <laughs> you are absolutely correct, sir. Sometimes you got to leave colloquialism at the door. Yeah. Um, so yeah. as a young man, I was given information by older guys in my neighborhood, mm. as well as the streets themselves taught me lessons. But as a consumer, you just take on the information, take on the information for a point of time when the information will become useful to you. Hmm. The only issue with that for myself is that I didn't go beyond that level of, okay, this is the information that's taken in. Let me process it. Let me think through it. And then let me return it back into the world better than it when it came in. Right. Uh, so all I was doing was just, yeah, I was just giving it back as it was given to me. So whether it pertained to like how to talk to girls, how to date girls, whether it came to how to, um, I don't know, uh, be a student, um, how it came to saving my lunch money or spending my lunch money. Or, you know, it was a lot of things that came with that young adult life, right? But how it manifested itself in college is that until I started hanging out with this uh, group, it was called NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers. And they taught me how to think, how to study, how to regurgitate information. My first three years of college, all I did was literally, like I said, I just regurgitated. Like if the, mm. if the professor. You know, if they said, hey, this is what's going to be on the test. This is what you need to know. That's all I did. I just memorized that stuff. And I couldn't get anything higher than B's and C's until one day a professor told me like, hey, man, if you want to get A's, you have to go beyond what I'm telling you in class. You have to include information from outside sources. You have to show me that you actually went to the library and read different books and bring that to the composition, bring that to the test, bring that to the, you know, the, the, the essay answers. You know what I mean? And it blew my mind. I was like, yo, oh, oh, okay. So he had to teach me how to think. And then when he taught me how to think, he also taught me how to produce and not just consume. So that was my long Sheesh. story. It's such a, it is a long story. So y'all make sure that the audience is checking out. It is so <laughs> interesting that in a lot of ways, when you're a consumer, you can easily mistake your consumerism as productivity or just the stream and flow of your maturity, right? So I think about right. even some of the middle school mantras of manhood. Go get you a girl. Mm -hmm. You know, I yep. ain't no punk. And if you're from yep. a community of conflict, it's about toughness. So early on, I had to learn how to defend myself. Now, uh, right. I, I learned latter parts of life that there was actually a thing called self-defense class. I learned in what's called the school of hard knocks, right? So... Uh, <laughs> videos of hand-to-hand -hand combat in the community because of the threats that were being posed. And so in a lot of ways, anything that you felt like, man, I absolutely need to do from being able to defend yourself through hand-to-hand -hand combat to being aware of the dangers of your community um, based off of things that you know could, could destroy your life along with even the way you pursue other women uh, or the opposite sex and how you find credit by being in um, multiple relationships but never really having a relationship. I think sometimes this idea of consumerism 
can be at heart, but you think, well, this is just how it is, right? So the challenging thing for me is when I look back at my life, I lived as a consumer, but I would have never called it that because it was just a Tuesday, right? It was just a Friday. It was just seventh grade or it was just eighth grade. And it was becoming the norm of my experience, right? I, I think back when everybody was getting Jordans. I don't know if you remember this craze in the 80s when Jordans were really big. Everybody right, yeah. I knew had to go get some J's, right? It was yep. starter jackets, starter coats. Come on, man. I'm old enough. If you're not old enough and you don't know this, you need to go yeah. back in the archive, right? I didn't I didn't see some um, dudes get their heads lumped up for some starter jackets, bro. <laughs> It was bad, man. It was like, why do your parents keep buying you this stuff? Every week you coming home missing your jacket. Just, just <laughs> Every day. Every day you got to fight for your love, right? <laughs> but I, I remember when the craze was going on, and I remember saying, thinking to myself, no matter what's going on, I'm not going to be consumed in it. Yeah. And, and I remember it was so bad at the time that people would wait in line, even today, 2018, yeah. For hours to get the newly released pair, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So some friends and I decide, you know what? It's my sophomore year in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't, sometimes we miss school, right? Uh, uh, shout out to, you know, the Dallas Independent School District. And <laughs> I was there. You go back and check my record, right? But sometimes we would miss school. This day, though, we decided to go stand in line for the Jordans. And I remember coming back after paying a hundred something dollars mm. with these brand new shoes that didn't look a lot different, not much different from the other Jordans. They just had different colors right. and a whole nine. And I remember putting them on my feet after the, this large craze and thinking, wow, is that it? Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like this entire crave of Owning and possessing a pair of Jordans. Yeah, yeah. Missing moments in life. Yep. Now I have them in my possession. Yeah. And now they're just another pair of shoes, right? And so I think almost on a subconscious level, I had a moment of sobriety to think like, wow, I really did all of that and spent all of that just to get this and I still don't really feel satisfied, right? Huh. What do you think? What are those moments of like stark realization where you go, hmm, maybe this ain't it huh. as a consumer? Man, I, I recently um, had a kind of epiphany when it came to savings um, and huh. investment and really learning how to make my money uh, work for itself. I think... This is probably the only thing I remember. I went to Christian school from second, no, third grade to sixth grade. And I don't remember much outside of having to go to chapel every Wednesday or whatever and memorizing verses. And then if, you know, if, if we didn't have a verse remembered for that week, we had to just uh, recite the school first, like Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself to prove unto God, you know, that, that verse. So it was just like Christian school was weird, but it had this point where, in my sixth grade, we had a project where we had to learn about the stock market. We had to learn. Mm. I think we had a certain amount of dollars that they gave us to invest, right? You know, because each stock costs a certain amount of money. They showed us how to read, you know, the newspaper, how to know the symbols for the stocks. And this was all pre-internet, right? So it's like, yo, if you want to go to Nike, you got to look at 
NKE or whatever their thing is. I don't, I have no idea what it is. Um, and then we just had to make educated choices on what we wanted to best and based on what we bought in life, you know, Cheerios or shoes or what we like to watch on TV. But what I learned in that situation is like, yo, man, like this is a real thing, but it didn't become tangible to me, right? I learned how to, to mm. take the things that I was consuming, right? Shoes, da, 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 things that I wanted, right? And how to invest in them with this fake money. But once that project was over with, it didn't translate into real life. And so here I am as a mm. man with family, with friends, with like, you know, kids, with these things. And my, my portfolio looks terrible because that, that lesson I learned in sixth grade wasn't a real thing. And so I had to go for myself literally two weeks ago and learn the difference. Like, and, and this is kind of embarrassing because I did taxes for like 12 years professionally. I used to run a tax office. And so I know things, right? I know loopholes. I know how to get around systems and how to help people save money and, and, and all these different things. But like, not even knowing something as basic as the difference between like a savings account that you get at a bank or a high yield interest account, right? And so basically, just real quick, a basic savings account that you have at your local branch, you get 0.08% like APR or APY or whatever they want to call it, right? If you open up something online, say from like American Express or these different companies, and it's a high interest yield savings account, you get 1.8%. So you go from 0.08% wow. is the standard that the savings accounts are going to get you to 1.9, 1.8%. So it's like enormously bigger. It's not a lot in terms of like, if you put in a thousand dollars, you maybe get like $10 or whatever. But when it comes to the fact that you can have your money sitting in somebody's financial institution and they're making all the money off your money and you're getting very little, you're getting change, you're getting pennies on the dollar. Like it, it's basic information that we just don't have that I just didn't have that didn't make sense. Wow. What you're saying to the audience is you were miseducated, you were bamboozled, you were hoodwinked. And when you realize, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, no, you got me. <laughs> yeah, but I was saying, but when you realize it, it was, it was startling. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was given enough information at some point in time to learn a system. But it was no follow up with that, like either that year or seventh grade or eighth grade. Instead, I was taught a bunch of stuff that didn't make sense or stuff that I didn't need long term. Good. Oh, when, when did Christopher Columbus leave Spain? Who cares? Right. I need to know about these stocks. Ugh, bonds, shots cars. fired. Those are shots saying. fired. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So what happened? And it's funny, too, because how this came to life for me a few years back is that the game was beefing with some. For those that don't know, the game is a uh, entertainer uh, from from Compton. He's a rapper. Um he had a beef with somebody and he was trying to stunt and he wrote a check for $1 million and put that check on Instagram. And somebody commented on Instagram like, hey, bro, you have a million dollars sitting in a checking account? Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And at that wow. point, I was like, oh, I guess you're right. Because if you have a million dollars in a checking account, you're not earning any interest. There's, there's no money being made for you in that situation. All somebody else is doing is holding your $1 million, investing that $1 million somewhere else and making all kind of money off of it. And you're writing checks to stunt on Instagram, right? So Jeez. it's like when you come full, like, like that was an eye opener for me. And that wasn't even me getting clowned. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, 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 you learn from somebody else. You, you like to observe the failure of right. others. Right, 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 right. So, so you know, again, I'm just long-winded tonight. I must be excited. But the, the long story short is it's like, man, I am too old in my mind to learn lessons that I should have learned a long time ago. And why? It's because I was busy consuming. I was busy living this dream. Like, oh, if I just got X amount of money in my checking account, X amount of money in my savings account, I'm good. Not realizing, like, no, dummy, I need to go get educated. I need to go read some books. I need to go- Good. Uh, 
you know, crack open something, go talk to a financial advisor and figure out how can I have multiple CDs at different lengths? One that's six months, one that's one year, one that's three years, one that's five years, one that's 10 years. How do I get a money market account? How do I get the, the, the mutual funds, the stocks and bonds and, and work up the ladder to where I can get to high risk, high reward stocks? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But, I was satisfied because I was consuming and I had enough to buy J's. <laughs> Why are you going to drop us off with that type of statement? You said I was satisfied and I had enough to buy J's. I think one of the indicators that you're a consumer is that you settle for just enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. So we Amen. talked about the yeah. differences between contentment and complacency. Contentment is being satisfied with what God gives. Complacency is being unwilling to move to where God is moving, right? And I think it's so interesting to me because we'll say that complacency is contentment, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Mm -hmm. And you know it's not because you just are not motivated for more. Mm -hmm. It's not that more is not accessible to you, right? And so- I think for me, transitioning somewhat into the producer, man, it's just pain. I I think you have to feel somewhat of a pain. You have to feel pain with that career. You have to feel pain with that relationship. You have to feel pain with your financial status. You have to feel pain with your faith life. And the fact Mm. you've been at this church or these churches for this long or this faith community this long, and you look back in the things that have come from it, you know in your soul have long not yielded you any return, but you just keep showing up mm-hmm. because you got money for J's, right? Yeah. And so, so part of what has to happen is that, one, we have to acknowledge that I am in pain. Yes, yes. That yes. this is not working anymore. That, look, living check to check ain't going to work. Not in the, listen, not in the wealthiest economy in the world. Not with a college degree and a graduate degree, right? Right. Um, and, and that's what I mean is that you have to acknowledge the pain. I, I think one of the first indicators for me acknowledging the pain was in my marriage. I've been married to my wife this year for 16 years. And, you know, first five years are horrible. And we realized, man, we need to do something different. The mm-hmm. pain of it all had me to choose. Either I can continue on doing what I've always done, mm-hmm. right? Or I can do what I have not done before to gain a new result. Yes. And that was painful. And and transitioning a little bit, becoming, moving from a consumer to becoming a producer is what I call going vegan. You want to hear about this, JP? Have you heard me talk about going vegan? You heard about this? (laughs) I've I've been at your house hungry and and had these these snacks that I was like, all right, I need some food. You you doing it in, in real life and for the show. I mean, okay, all right, bro. Live your life. Okay, listen, this is for the audience, right? Like, this is what I mean when I say going vegan or thinking vegan. I don't mean the physical transition and approach to food. Here's what I mean. They call it the contemporary diet, just the regular mm-hmm. diet. Everybody eats yeah. it. It's the diet with no thought. It's mm-hmm. whatever you want. Wow. Just put it in your mouth. Wow. Yeah. You pizza, put pizza in your mouth. Burrito, get burrito. You want steak, eat steak. It's the mm-hmm. diet with no thought. It has no information towards it. Whatever you desire, you just impulsively respond towards, right? Mm-hmm. When you become a vegan, or if you were to take on 
the vegan approach to life, you're no longer able to consume animal products and animal byproducts. And Mm. here's what that means. Every bite of food that goes into your mouth, you have to think about it. You Mm -hmm. have to consider it. You have to weigh it. You have to measure it. You have to be cognitive and you have to then grieve the fact that you spent your entire life not thinking about what goes into your mouth and what comes out of it. Oh, man. Right? (laughs) And so the transition to becoming a producer isn't thoughtlessness, it's thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. And that means that now I start looking at all of my decisions every day and I go, does this yield what I desire? Is this the sort of crop I desire? Mm-hmm. Well, if that's not the crop I desire, that means I need to change the seed. Well, if I don't have that seed, now I need to buy that seed. If I don't have money for that seed, now I need to barter for that seed, right? And this is what I have had to come to sobriety with that most of my life, I hadn't even had a desire to do more than what was around me. Mm -hmm. I had no thought to be more than what I had seen. And I Mm -hmm. had no idea or the pain wasn't excruciating enough that would cause me to move from thoughtlessness to thoughtfulness. Talk to us a little bit more about the realization or the transition into becoming a producer. And then what are some of the things we can practically do to begin to pursue pursue the producer's life, JP? Yeah, man, I think (laughs) you talk about acknowledging. (laughs) I think you have to, and this was the big, uh, you know, dang for me, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago is realizing that, man, I have to acknowledge and assume that I'm ignorant, right? Mm. And what I mean by acknowledge is, yes, I have to say, man, I did not know, I do not know, anything or I know very little about XYZ subject, right? Whether it's the marriage, mm-hmm. whether it's the job, whether it's the investments, whether it's the church information, whatever that looks like. And then you have to assume that you're ignorant. It's one thing to acknowledge it, but you also have to assume because once you assume that you're something like, oh, you know what? If you're not assuming that you're ignorant, you're going to assume that you know it all. Does that, does that make mm-hmm. sense? That's it, bro. Right? So it's a humble approach to information. It's a humble approach from transitioning from consumer to producer because when you're when you're a consumer you feel like yo i've got enough money i've got enough saved i have enough information i understand how this marriage works i understand how women work so you don't go and seek out information right you don't go and seek to be different you don't seek to educate yourself because you assume that you have it all so what i'm saying is all right take that same assumption be humble with it and assume that you are ignorant and you don't know and you need more information right and then you go seek to get that information and i think it's in that process of humbling yourself, submitting to some information, submitting to a mentor, submitting to a life coach. And you said life coach? I did say life coach. That that wasn't a Freudian slip. That was in an intentional uh, placement. Um, <laughs> and so once you have these, <laughs> these things in place, you can self-educate. You can go learn something. You can ask questions. You know. So the thing is, people don't know that they need to ask questions. They don't That's know right. that they don't know. That's right. That's a problem. That's right. When you don't know that you don't know, that's a problem. That's why you should always assume that you don't know. That's it. Right. That's it. I had a friend, good friend, he was sharing with me, someone was giving him advice about work and living in a city. And he was measuring it saying, I don't know, maybe I should listen. They sound pretty credible. And then I paused and I said, let me ask you a question. 
do you desire the sort of work outcomes that this individual has within their career? Kind of thought about it. He goes, nah, no, nah, I don't desire it. <laughs> Not so much. I said, so let me ask you this. Why are you giving that person the weight of being your advisor? It was like, hey, mm. it was like I had said something, a light bulb came off, right? Mm, mm-hmm. If you do not desire in this season the outcomes that this individual is manifesting or embodying, right? Mm-hmm. You do not need to seek them as your advisor, right? right? If you want to grow in wealth, don't consult a poor man. Yeah. If you want to grow in health, don't consult somebody who is out of shape. If you don't, yeah. if you want to grow in marriage, don't consult people who can't keep a relationship. Right? <laughs> Let, Let me say that. <laughs> right? Let alone a marriage. Don't right. consult those people. Doesn't mean they don't have good information. It just means that they're not good advisors to right. lead you to the next level. So one yeah. of the things that you have to do as a producer, switching to producer mind is you have to seek out people who are embodying and do the things that you're desiring to do in the areas of your faith, in the area of your physical life, in the areas of your career, in the areas of your social life, in the areas of things. You need to seek them out as either up close or distant advisors. The other thing, and JP, I love that you're saying it as we wrap up, you have to grieve that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Some of us love to say we know and yep. we don't know a thing. And it is better. Matter of fact, you'll get further when you say, I do not know, because then it gives you the power to move forward. Give mm-hmm. us one more thing. What's one more thing that if we only knew would help us? And this and and I hate to cut this short, but I you know, we gotta keep the practical episodes for people. We, we may even pick up part two. Consumer yeah, yeah. versus producers. Go ahead, JP. What What's one other thing you wish people knew about that transition? Man, if I had known, and I, I feel like we've talked about this so many times in different forms, but it's it's having a critical eye for the information that's coming to you and who it's coming from, right? Mm. Again, one thing that was good about college, uh, it taught me how to think critically, and it also taught me the importance of primary sources, right? Mm. So when you're, when you're doing a report, when you're doing a research paper, even when I did journalism back in the day, I guess I'm still a journalist. Now we journalists, bro. That's what we're doing with these this podcasts. Is so the idea is that when you are looking to engage the person that's reading your paper or the person that's reading your project or the listener, you want to make sure the stuff that you're quoting is from a primary source. And what a primary source is, if I'm writing a story about the, I don't know, the, the Civil War. And I have a book that somebody has written about a book, about a book, about a book, about a book. They're not a primary source. What I want to do is try to find books that were written during the Civil War time by hopefully credible people that gives me the information about the Civil War. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So if I'm like, hey, BJ, that Civil War that happened in 1862. Hey, man, tell me about it. No, I wouldn't ask you. You know what I'm saying? Unless you were a Civil War historian. I would go to the books that were written at the time or shortly thereafter to get for the information. And then not only am I doing that, I'm going to critically look at the people that wrote the book and the information that they're presenting because they may be jaded. They may be, they might have some agenda or whatever the case may be. So how does this relate to producer? How this relates to producer life is understanding that sometimes people will give you information to send you on a wild goose chase, right? 
or they'll give you information or you read information that gives you breadcrumbs, but it doesn't give you the road back to where you need to be going to. Right. And so you Mm -hmm. have to understand that, hey, some people are interested in getting to places first so that they throw you off the scent. Right. So you have to know, like, all right, if somebody gave me some information about, you know, I don't know, uh, we just go back to the stocks and bonds and mutual funds thing and they're giving you tips on what to invest in. All right. You still need to know what aren't they telling me? So that's why you still have wow. to go and do more and get more information and learn more. Because, man, if unless I really love you, BJ, and I got a sniff and I got a hint and I got a tip on like, yo, this is about to make some money. Most times people are just dirty and it may not be intentional because they hate you, but like they want to be the first to climb Mount Everest. So, if, you know, so I'm, I'm just saying, if I know something's about to pop, I might tell you after it pops or right when it's about to pop. Although I've, I've been I've been knowing this for six to ten months. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm not saying everybody's dirty and everybody's out to get you, but you have to have a critical eye for information that you're taking in. You have to have a critical eye from the person that's giving the information. And then you Good. also have to make the assumption that, hey, there's something that's not being told to me and you have to go and get the information yourself. So sometimes that's overwhelming and you may find yourself yeah. in a position where you go, you don't know where to start, you know what to do. This is what I would encourage you to do. Find you a mentor, hire your life coach. If you go to build a better us dot com um you'll find go to get involved and the initial consultation is free and you'll be able to meet personally with the life coach uh myself john parker and we also just brought on a new trauma therapist uh nakia austin she's really amazing and you know our only desire is to help you become a better you so that we can become a better us thank you for tuning in to the build a better us podcast Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys. You know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?